Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. You're listening to Cajun Catholics, featuring outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana and beyond. My name is Steve Lanza, and I'm sitting in today for your normal host, Todd Citron. Our guest today is Father Jeremy Lambert, who was ordained a priest in Rome in 2012 for the Legionaries of Christ. Father Jeremy currently serves as the local vocation director for the Legionaries of Christ order, and also serves as the chaplain for the Regnum Christi movement in Louisiana. Father Jeremy, on behalf of everyone here at 90.5 FM, Catholic Radio for Acadiana, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. For our listening audience, Father Jeremy and I first met in January of this year during a retreat that the Legion of Christ priests conducted in Covington. Father Jeremy and I realized during the retreat that we shared some family friends from a small town in rural Georgia, and by the time that the retreat ended, we became fast friends. He made such an impression on me that I knew we simply had to find a way to have this amazing young priest share his vocation story and his unique evangelization message with our listening audience. Before we begin, uh, Father Jeremy, would you like to start us out by leading us in a prayer? Yes, Steve. Thank you very much for having me also. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us and this opportunity to share the mission of joy, of hope, and of love to all those listeners here today. Um, be with us and let all of us know your loving providence. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father Jeremy, can you please tell us a bit about where you grew up and about your family? Sure, Steve. Um, I'm from a family of six, and we grew up in Georgia, middle Georgia, we call it there. Um, not quite like Louisiana, the Catholic culture you have here, but um, more in the Bible Belt. And um, growing up, it was a very joyful um, childhood that I remember, and we had a, a strong Protestant presence there, very few Catholics. Um, for example, in my school, between the middle school and high school, there were over 4,000 students, and only three of us were Catholic. Wow. one being my sister. So it was a wow. very small percentage of the Catholic um, family growing up there. But I think that, um, along with other things, um, really helped form my childhood and um, helped me grow my faith. Um, and I look back today, how could I come have come from such humble and um, unlikely background to where I am now? So I'm very thankful to God for those experiences growing up. Oh, absolutely. So what made you first want to become a priest? In other words, what is your calling to priesthood look like? Um, it's a, a long story, but I won't bore you with all the details. In a nutshell, um, you know, Christ is the one that calls. And I think that's something we all as priests and even as um, our vocation to the marriage life, for example, you you have a very specific circumstance in which you felt drawn to that person if you're married or to that um, that life as a priest um, coming from Christ himself, from his heart and his desire to have you as his own, as his minister. Um, me personally, um, it came at a younger age. I was 14 um, when I was first drawn to the lifestyle of a priest. Um, I say I was kind of um, 
gradually introduced to it. I was uh, invited to go to a couple of retreats up at the seminary um, the Legionaries of Christ had in um, New Hampshire and also in Connecticut. And there I instantly fell in love with the family spirit that they had of, of charity, of um, joy, uh, of the sacrament, something that you know, I didn't quite experience growing up, as I had mentioned, in that Protestant ex- you know, background. But um, I think my calling um, in particular came through one, one moment when I was at a summer camp there in, um, in the seminary in New Hampshire. And I was hi- in high school, and we had some downtime. It was kind of a busy camp. We had a lot of sports um, activities, and it was kind of a pretty fast-paced you know, experience during the summertime. And, and at one moment in a downtime, one of the um, young men there said, hey, why don't you come with me to make a visit to the chapel? Um, and we were like, I was like, all right. So I, I went with him, and he stayed for about two seconds <laughs> left. <laughs> and uh, I just kind of felt comfortable there in the silence of the, of the chapel. And um, it was the first time that I'd really settled down and had some of that quiet time, that still time. And just there before the Eucharist, I was the only one in the chapel. I, I felt a, um, some, some call it a, a voice, some call it a, a, a thought or an inner feeling, but I, I just felt um, Christ asked me, you know, do you like it here? And you know, that thought came in my head. I was like, yeah, I, I really do like it here. I've, I feel at home. And he said, um, kind of to my heart, as I, as I remember it, um, you know, would you like to, to do this for the rest of your life? And be my priest and go on a mission that you'll never regret. And just at that age, as I could, I, I remember just saying, yeah, I'd love that. that wow. That'd be something that I'd, I'd really enjoy. So that's kind of the, the that's, kernels of my that's <laughs> vocational a be- story. That's just a beautiful story. Was there one person that you credit with uh, helping you the most discern your vocation, one person? Steve, many have asked me that, and I think for you know each priest um, in their own vocation story, you look back at, at many who have influenced you. Um, as far as discerning my vocation, I, I personally always look back to, um, it's probably twofold. One is just the, the personal call of Christ that I mentioned, maybe started there um, before the Eucharist. And just, you know, as, as my time in seminary went by, there were just these little lights or confirmations that just kept coming. And I think there was probably something that, affirmed me in this is where Christ wants me to be a very personal way but maybe as somebody that impacted me the most on that journey was um, a priest that I I served with and um, I aided for a while um, named Father Alvaro Corquera. Father Alvaro was the the head of our order the legionaries um, after taking over from the founder um, in 2005 and for a time there, I was from 2005 um, in, until around 2014. I was um, Father Alvaro's personal secretary, mm-hmm. still being a um, personal assistant, rather, still being a seminarian, and spent a lot of time with him. And Father Alvaro was always for me somebody I would, you know, I could say I'd love to be a priest like he was. That's it's, great. You know, I, I spent a lot of time, personal time with him, you know, traveling or just there in his office time and. Um, kind of seeing him live out his priesthood firsthand and it was always an inspiration to me 
to see a, a full life, a joy, a joyful priesthood, and one with um, lived at the side of Christ. It, you know, in a lot of suffering. Um, maybe you're familiar with our history of the legionaries, but um, uh, he lived that firsthand, and I was able to see, you know, the head of our order, um, discer- you know, discern and prayerfully walk through those um, renewal processes that we had on behalf of the church and. Um, and I was just moved to, inspired to live my priesthood um, after that model. What a great uh, mentor and experience. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you attended seminary in Rome, which has got to have been an amazing experience. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners maybe some of the most memorable things about your time in seminary, maybe some of the people you met while there? Sure, yeah. Memorable is definitely uh, the food. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but um, we had some very... Beautiful times there, um, studying in Rome. It, 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 it's at the heart of the church, and I think for all um, priests, when they go, it's, it's almost like um, you know, a basketball player going to the Basketball Hall of Fame as a little boy, right? He's just mm-hmm. overwhelmed with such history and those saints that have gone before you that have left um, you know, something of architecture, of um, tradition, of culture behind them. But for me... Um, one of the most memorable moments, I think, were um, was being able to serve um, as an acolyte for John Paul II's last midnight mass oh there goodness. in the Vatican. Wow. Um, I was freshly arrived. I think it was my first year of philosophy. And um, there at the seminary, for the legionaries, we had 500 seminarians. And I was kind of um, small fish in a big pond. But... Um, Six of us were asked to serve that Mass for Christmas Eve Mass. And um, we went to the Vatican to get prepared and kind of trained a little bit the couple days before. And they asked me to be the incense bearer, so the thurver. And, um, and there we had an, I had an opportunity to go up to him during that midnight Mass five or six times and offer the, you know, the hot coals for him to put the incense on. And just to be able to look into the eyes of John Paul II as he celebrated Mass was just left an impression on me as a young seminarian. And just to see the, you know, flashbulbs of so many cameras going off all around us and, and him with that gaze of peace and serenity saying, this is a Mass, I'm going to give my all, and just impacted me deeply. He was elderly at the time, so he was in a wheelchair as if you can remember, I'm kind of slunched over and, um, you know, he had a little bit of difficulty speaking and controlling um, himself a little bit, but still there and um, full of life. And um, they had a, a wheelchair with a raised platform that they used to move him up and down the main aisle. It had um, a couple of steps on the front and bronze handrails. And at the end of the midnight mass at the Vatican, it's always a tradition to g- stop by a side altar on your way out where the baby Jesus is in a crib and there you incense the baby Jesus lay him in the crib for the first time because it's Christmas Eve sure and we did that and that was the first time that they had used this raised platform and John Paul II's uh, wheelchair so um, they were very nervous about how this is going to play out so they asked me to go and kneel down on the step um, at the foot of his wheelchair and offer him the incense as he's sitting there and I remember doing that, and the bronze handrails were just wide enough for my shoulders, and I was holding the incense over his, his lap, you know, these hot, coal, these hot coals. And all of a sudden, the bishop 
in charge of the mass, the master of ceremonies, he leans over and he whispers in my ear, if you drop those hot charcoals on your, his lap, I will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, I was a little more nervous than normal. Sure. But uh, John Paul II heard that and he laughed and he said, don't worry, Merry Christmas. It'll be oh, okay. So, so you've looked into the eyes of a saint. I, I could you know, say that. That is a very, very, very special. special gift, yes. So, Father Jeremy, what made you want to become a Legionaries of Christ priest as opposed to becoming a diocesan priest? And are there any meaningful differences between the two types of ministries? Sure. Um, as we said before, it, it really is Christ who calls. And I think um, that's important to understand in discerning, you know, why this priesthood and not that priesthood. And essentially, they're all the priesthood of Christ, right? We share that same um, calling. But there are differences if, um, between diocesan and life, which is underneath a bishop of a certain diocese, you're um, almost wed to those parishes in, under those diocesan boundaries. And um, whereas a, a, a religious order, so um, you know, there's several orders out there that we're familiar with, uh, the Jesuits, the Franciscans, the Dominicans, etc. The Legionaries of Christ is one of those orders um, proved by the, the Holy See, by the Church. We have these great saints that model the diocesan priesthood, like St. John Maria Vianney, St. Philip Neri, who are exemplars of being wedded to their flock, and were able to bring about great things in their ministry. And we also have other styles of living out the priesthood. For example, St. Paul or St. Francis Xavier, who were both um, apostles that went about inspiring Catholics to live their faith in a deeper way, not necessarily bound to a certain parish, um, to try to keep the fervor aflame and build the kingdom of Christ in these different communities. And today, um, as in years past, the Holy Spirit always tries to bring up these charisms in the church, a certain aspect of living the gospel virtues that are necessary for the times. We have the Franciscans who really brought about that renewal of poverty in the moment of the church when um, it was kind of in decline, that religious fervor. We have the Jesuits who were intellectual leaders in the Protestant Reformation to really, you know, counter reform, um, et cetera, et cetera. We have all these movements. And today we ask ourselves, well, what does the church need? And um, the Legionaries of Christ is only 80 years old, so it's a very young order in, in comparison to the other orders I've mentioned. And today I think we're living in a very secular society where that um, Christian charity, that love of Christ, that love of neighbor is um, more in, um, indifference or it's more, um, you know, uh, not living up to that fullness of our Catholic faith and evangelization that we're called to. Um, and in a way, the legionaries have been inspired by the Holy Spirit to um, bring that charism into the local church in a certain way. Very good. So, Father Jeremy, what does a typical day look like for you in your priestly order? So, Steve, we have a community life as part of our religious order, and we have six priests presently in Mandeville, Louisiana, as that's our, um, our community um, based here in Louisiana. And a typical day in the life is um, prayer, 
prayer life and apostolate. So that's our um, uh, morning prayers. Usually we start off with a, an hour of mental prayer, of meditation, and uh, done in community all together. We, we wake up early and, and um, usually gather around 6.30 and in the chapel. We have a chapel there in our community house. And um, after our morning prayers and, and mass, then we start our day. Each one has their own assignments. We have two priests that have their assignment in the youth work. So they run youth ministries all throughout Louisiana, different clubs of conquest for boys and challenge for girls. Um, I think here in Lafayette, we have a, a club in St. Pius and also in John Paul the Great. Um, and they have also have a camp in Folsom, um, just north of Covington there for um, the summertime. It's really just an amazing program to, to strengthen the virtue and um, faith in these young um, boys and girls. Then we have two priests that work in adult work, adult formation, and um, they basically um, offer spiritual direction in these different um, areas and uh, retreats. And then myself, I'm a a part of that adult formation, but also uh, focusing on the young adults and um, vocation director. So those um, young men or women who are interested in the the priesthood or the religious life, um, whether to the legionaries or to diocesan life or finding their, their calling, I, I help them discern that process um, either through spiritual direction or through, you know, pointing them to where they might feel that calling fulfilled. I remember a number of years ago when our children were at Our, our Lady of Fatima elementary school there was a legionaries of christ a priest who came for the conquest program and as i recall he was uh, previously uh, an army ranger before he went to seminary do mm -hmm. you remember that priest uh father richard sutter i believe right, right. He, uh, when he would speak, the boys were listening very carefully, <laughs> and he would speak of jumping out of airplanes and, and everything with parachutes. It was, a, it was a great opportunity to meet someone like that yeah. who went to the priesthood. So do you have a diversity of background in your order with the priests that you come in contact with uh, day in and day out? Yes, it's very, di very diverse. Um, each one has a, a great um, history and um, upbringing that I think those different experiences really um, nourish the the whole min ministry and mission um, as you know in the diocesan priesthood too there's many priests that come later on in age or earlier in age and they all have a different way of connecting um, which i think is important in the priesthood that you represent a facet of christ's personality that makes it attractive for different people it's not a, a one and done Correct. and you could all touch sure. different souls but you connect on different levels. In fact, the, the pastor at St. Pius Catholic Church here in Lafayette is uh, my former law partner oh. who went to seminary after he had practiced law for a number of years. And after that, he went to uh, either Washington, D.C. or to become a canon lawyer. And uh, he is, I believe, the only civil lawyer and canon lawyer combination priest in the Diocese of Lafayette. That's Father Jim Brady. So you're right Pretty about man. the backgrounds uh, contributing to the, the mission, right? That's and, right. Uh, let me ask you this. What aspect of your ministry are you most passionate about and, and why? Steve, I think um, it's a, always a pleasure and a, a privilege, um, 
kind of as, as Moses saw the burning bush, he said, you know, take off your sandals. God said, take off your sandals. You're walking on holy ground. As you're guiding these souls um, to help each Catholic discover the fullness of their vocation in the mission of the local church and the universal church, and helping them to live the call to sanctity through a life of virtue. Um, that's always a, a rewarding thing to see that growth in um, what God has planned for each soul and, and just to be kind of a, um, a catalyst or a, a company them on that journey. And I think this is done primarily through a personal encounter with Christ where each one you know forms that relationship with him as a friend and we all um, take on a discerning heart, you know, being kind of spiritual heavyweights in the ring with secular values and the erosive winds of the world and saying, no, I belong to Christ and I am his disciple. You know, I, I bear the name of Christian. And as Christ said, as the Father sent me, so I send you to be awakened to that call to evangelize and bring the kingdom of Christ to the hearts of those we encounter and to those families so that he be loved and known and served. And being a priest to be able to um, administer to that and offer that life of friendship with Christ and life of grace, it's it's really what we're made for as priests. So sure. I think that's the beauty that, um, that Christ promises us. Do you also consider that a great responsibility as well, that Definitely. souls are in your hands? Of course, yes. And at the end of the day, they belong to Christ. So we don't possess them or we don't have them for our own, but we are responsible to them for the example that we leave as priests. For our, you know, they say a man is worth his word and a priest is worth his prayer life. So as much as we, as priests, seek out that identity with Christ in our prayer and try to acquire the heart of Christ and love them as Christ loves them, I think Christ takes care of the, the fruitfulness that comes through our priesthood, like the gospel we just recently had of, um, you know, a tree by its fruits. You know, a, a, a healthy tree bears good fruits and a, a rotten tree bears bad fruits. And, and there, um, you know, we, we are responsible to the faithful of Christ to be their shepherds according to his heart. Very good. On the other hand, we live in a real world, and this world is not a perfect world. So what is it that's the most difficult thing about being a priest? Um, I think I can relate it to the, maybe the marriage life. So, you know, if you meet a couple in um, marriage counseling or one-on-one, or -on -one, they always say, well, Father, um, my wife is doing this, and it's, that's why our marriage is so rotten right now, or, um, you know, infidelities or whatever it might be. I don't have that luxury. If something's wrong in my relationship, it's my fault <laughs> because <laughs> Christ is not going to, you know, he's perfect. And the, um, that's a challenge for me. So I think the biggest thing that I could reflect on would be maybe those moments that I've lacked generosity or I failed Christ and souls because of my selfishness. So to see that mission given to me or that opportunity to reach out and and be Christ's hands, his feet, his eyes, his, his words for a soul, and then fall short because of my selfishness, um, that hurts. I'm, you know? I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but listen, uh, we all realize that uh, you know, we all have our struggles, no matter the vocation. 
and we appreciate you telling us about that one. You told me on yesterday that you're also the chaplain to the Regnum Christi movement in Louisiana, and you serve as spiritual advisor to a number of Catholics here in Acadiana. So what's the role of a spiritual advisor, and do you think it's important for Catholics to have one? Well, Steve, I do highly recommend, I have a, my own spiritual director, and I think all priests, um, you know, in their own personal life are recognized since the time of seminary, the need for that. Um, as you mentioned, I, I administer primarily to the Reagan Christie movement, which is a movement in the Catholic Church. There are over 140 movements approved by the Church, and Reagan Christie, which is Latin for Kingdom of Christ, is just one of those. And these laymen, laymen and women within their parish life, within their um, community, feel a call to live out their vocation to holiness through the spiritual means, the um, community life, and the apostolic means of the Regnum Christi movement. And I'm, along with a couple of other priests of the Legionaries, are chaplains to them to help them grow in their spiritual life. And so, Steve, yeah, the importance of spiritual direction, it's actually an old tradition from the monks in the 800s when they would offer confession and lay people would come and it would be a long line outside the confessional of maybe you've seen here <laughs> even today and um, you know you'd, you'd make this pilgrimage to the monastery to have your confession heard and you'd want to ask more so you know a 10 minute confession would stretch out to an hour long and the monks would be like there's a long line out there let's wow. cut it here <laughs> keep confession confession and we could talk about this later so that's kind of the origin of spiritual direction I see. so it does have that um, seal of confession connected to it but um, nowadays we have the, the grace of not only priests being spiritual directors but we have lay spiritual guides um, the diocese has um, spiritual guides assigned um, for the diocese, for those that are seeking spiritual direction. So that's a beautiful opportunity. Um, but really there it's um, asking ourselves what God is calling me to do in my life and how do I fit into God's plan of salvation in the world? Where God has that big puzzle piece in mind when he created the heavens and the earth and all creation and he thought of you as one piece of the puzzle where you are in that whole puzzle, your shape, how you touch the other puzzle pieces around you, your color, how you fit into that beautiful picture of God's plan. And it's up to us to discover, to ask the source of that life that he's given us, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't belong to myself, I belong to you. How do I fit into this plan of salvation? And this helps us, this spiritual direction, helps us to discover our role in the plan of salvation, God's will for us, my purpose. Sometimes we ask ourselves, what am I supposed to be doing? Is this it? Going to work, getting you know, my paycheck, um, keeping my house in order, getting my kids from one place to another. Is this what my life's supposed to look like or is there something more? And it's about making decisions, um, but making decisions out of freedom, not out of disordered ideas or out of my pleasure or power prestige right but for many the purpose of the spiritual direction is to develop and deepen our relationship with God to come closer to God to become more intimate with God 
and to let God work more deeply within my heart so that I can draw closer to God. It's also to grow in virtue um, so as to grow in our relationship with God and others. Thanks for tuning in to Cajun Catholics with Steve Lanza and Father Jeremy Lambert with the Legionaries of Christ as our guest. Join us next week for part two.